So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh wow. Oh. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Good, everybody. Ringer NFL show, New York, New York. This is where the dream team happens. And unfortunately for New York football fans, this was pretty ugly. This was the definition of men against boys. And, you know, I'm always a believer in checking in on my friends and making sure they're well and making sure they're okay. So uh, I got to check on you, Danny Heifetz. Are we doing all right, buddy? Are you surviving? Are you all right? No, I'm not all right. I feel like an idiot. Honestly, I feel like a moron. I, this is not the worst Giants loss I've ever seen, but I think it's the dumbest I've ever felt after watching the Giants play. Does that make sense? No, I can understand that because, listen, you and I have something in common, probably. I was actually dumb enough to put my hard-earned money on the New York Giants tonight to cover this number against the Bucks. because, listen, not that I had any delusion in thinking that your team was going to go and win this <laughs> game outright. Because, listen, full disclosure, I said it every which way on the ringer. And I said, why? I was everywhere. I was like, listen, they're not winning this game. But under Jones and over the last few years in prime time, they usually play close and they usually find a way to lose. Heifetz, let's be honest. I don't care what the final score was of this game. I think it was 30 to 10. Who the hell cares? They should have lost this game by 40 plus points. This game was never close. This game was never in doubt. If it wasn't for that fluky pick that set the Giants up inside the five yard line, Dude, your team gets absolutely slaughtered in this game. That much more. I completely agree. First of all, you're, my dad wanted me to take Giants plus 11, and I told him I did, and then I took the Bucks giving 11. because Good I, for it's, you. It's, you're smarter than me. Listen, I yeah, give you credit. I, well, you're actually smarter than me. So you, you didn't go to well, Syracuse. So there's I went to the Giants. I don't know. I But like, if you look at this, I think now that we're sober, we can like, like with the sobering of that game, you can look at it and be like, well, the Bucks D-line outclasses the Giants O-line. You've got Jason Garrett as a coach against Todd Bowles. You've got Tom Brady outclassing the Giants roster. In retrospect, I think that the line probably wasn't high enough, was it? I, but the story of this game, though, to me is Jason Garrett. Like, like we can talk about Daniel Jones, talk about Saquon, the defense. But from the Giants' perspective, all I could think about all night was how pathetic it is that the Giants hired Jason Garrett. What a slap in the face it is. It feels disrespectful as a fan. Like, we just watched Jason Garrett for 10 years be the head coach of the Cowboys. And watching Jason Garrett tonight, which was the mythical night where all the Giants' pass catchers were going to be back. I know Sterling Shepard was still out, but this was like the best we're going to get. We have Andrew Thomas back. Daniel Jones is better with it, with Andrew Thomas. Saquon's back. You got Galladay back. You got Kadarius Tony's healthy. Like, this was the night I've been here. I feel like I've been hearing about for like three years. We're like, all the Giants, all the Giants' pass catchers are going to be together. And there was no vision. There was no game plan. It was like... This I felt like watching the Giants in this Jason Garrett offense is the absolute worst aspects of the Cowboys from the last 10 years 
and the Giants. It's like all the complaints Cowboys fans had about their coaching with all the awful personnel moves the Giants have made rolled into one ball of awfulness. And that's all I could think about all night. And then it's being picked apart by Tom Brady, of all people. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And you get Galladay back. You have Kadarius Tony back. And you're wondering where are the big plays. You're wondering where is the explosiveness. You're wondering why this offense can't get going against the Tampa pass defense that made Trevor Simeon, for goodness sakes, look good. <laughs> so let's throw that out there. And then there's the element of the quarterback. Because, listen, we could get on the play calling and it was not particularly good. And it's incredibly frustrating. High fits, I get that. The Daniel Jones interception to McClendon. I mean, you want to talk about as bad and as brutal a decision and as brutal a throw as you're going to see all year. Dude, I've watched it back now on about five different occasions. What exactly was Daniel Jones looking at? Not that the Giants are going to win this game. Not that they, you know, if they don't make that play, all of a sudden it leads to some different result. It does not. But it was just one of those like mind-numbingly dumb plays that it's like, dude, you're a third-year quarterback. I'm sorry, this can't happen. Yeah, those are the kind of things that like, you know, the Niners aren't playing Trey Lance right now. And those are the kind of things you think, oh, I guess Trey Lance would do that kind of stuff if he played. And as you said, Daniel Jones is in year three. This is like the Giants have to start thinking about giving him a contract extension or not. And he's still making those kinds of, of plays. But honestly, I'm still not. Maybe I'm just desensitized, but my takeaway from tonight isn't Daniel Jones. And like we can go into him a lot if you want. But my, my main thoughts from tonight are like, what was the plan? Like the Bucks have, I think, four cornerbacks on injured reserve. They have played. They've started seven cornerbacks for Tampa Bay. That is the most in the NFL by a lot. So, like, the plan is attack the cornerbacks, right? Like, you got Galladay back. You got all these guys. They Let don't really do that at all. go to work. What a concept. The, Let them go to the work. The only time they challenged the Bucks deep was they gave Kadaris Tony the goddamn ball to throw deep. But, like, okay, that's not the game plan. At least get Saquon and Kadaris Tony the ball in space. They didn't do that either. Saquon had a lot of catches. I know it was, it was bailout screens at the end of the half and then garbage time. But, like, when the game was competitive, they had no plan to give Saquon or Kadaris Tony the ball, if I'm not mistaken. They combined for two catches in the first, like, 28 minutes of the game. I mean, if you're not attacking downfield at the Bucks' weakness and you're not giving your best players the ball in space as part of the game plan, what are you doing? This, te- this team is a mess. There's no vision. At the end of the half thing, again, they're still, they have not scored any points in the final two minutes of the half. But the most insulting part, they don't even try. Pay- like, it was crazy. If you watch the Manning cast, I was in and out of the Manning cast. Peyton Manning literally said, like, like they get the ball, they're at the 10-yard line. I'm like, you know, if you want to just, like, you know, run a draw and kneel down, sure. But instead, they do this weird screen thing, and then they let 50 seconds bleed off. They have nine seconds left. Then they decide to do a drop-back pass, which almost gets strip-sacked. Then they get complete this pass and fumble. And Peyton and Eli Manning are just laughing. And Peyton literally says out loud, this is the kind of play calling you do when you want to just go into halftime without turning it over but you don't want to you want to save face and pretend like you're going to drive down except you're doing neither when you try to do both so what do they do neither threaten to score and almost turn it over anyway in field garbage it is such incompetence but it's not even ambitious incompetence it's just sad incompetence i don't know if you were hearing this from any of the giant fans that are near and dear to your heart and listen it's more a byproduct of the gross nature that is the 6 and the seven seed within the <laughs> NFC. But I actually had, Heifetz, believe it or not, a decent amount of Giant fans try to convince me that the Giants could make a play for the seven seed. And then I watched this game. Not that I, listen, you know, they got the Eagles. They got my team. They got the Chargers. All right, they got some winnable games. whoop the freaking do The idea of thinking the Giants are going to find their way to nine wins or even eight wins for that matter is just like ridiculous to think about considering the product we've seen on the field this year and the product we've seen on the field over the last couple of years, which is clearly not news to anybody. No, but that's a fantastic point, JJ. Like, I, if the, for the people listening, think about the game you just watched. Or if you didn't get to see the game, think about how bad it must have been for me to be this pissed off. And now consider two things. What JJ just said. This was like their season. Like, as bad as this team was, if they won tonight, There were only two games out of the wild card. What do we all hear? What is the NFL conversation right now? This is the most parody there's been for a playoff race, for a Super Bowl race. I I, I can ever remember. Ever. Ever. It feels like double-digit teams that legit can win the Super Bowl, and it's about coming up clutch down the stretch and health down the stretch. 
for Super Bowl. And then the playoffs, I mean, there were really or like the Lions and the Bears were like two of the only teams definitively eliminated from the playoffs feels like coming into this week. I mean, 14 teams, if the Giants won tonight, really would have had a shot to make the playoffs in the NFC. And the AFC is like a similar picture. Their whole season's on the line coming to this game. And they had a bye week. This is what the team looks like with a bye. Knowing, going into the bye. Your whole season depends on this game. And not only that, it's also a season where you know it is crunch time for Dave Gettleman, where you know it might be crunch time for Daniel Jones. You know it might be crunch time for Saquon Barkley, all in terms of Gettleman getting fired, Jones getting his fifth-year option or a contract extension, Saquon getting contract extension. It is this game. I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic. This team, now that they will miss the playoffs, was the last stand for what feels like this era of the Giants. And they came out with the most embarrassing game I have seen them play in some time. And that's saying something, because we've seen a whole lot of lousy football over <laughs> yeah, the last couple is. of years. And listen, they have definitely had more painful losses. Like the Washington game back in week two was probably a far more painful loss. But this kind of speaks to the ineptitude. That's what it yes. comes down to. It speaks to the ineptitude of the general manager. It speaks to the questions you have about this head coach. It speaks about the questions you have about this quarterback. It speaks to the fact that anybody who would consider the idea of paying Saquon Barkley is out of their freaking minds considering the guy yes. can't play and doesn't make enough of an impact when he's actually out on the field. The fact that they have matchups to exploit and they don't exploit them. Well, you wonder why the Giants under Gettleman are 10 zillion games on the 500. I'm sorry, I can't quote the record. High fits, you might be oh, able to do so. All you, you needed to know, all you need to know about Dave Gettleman's record is that if the Giants went 17 and 0 next season, he'd still be below 500. My goodness. <laughs> That's all I mean, I knew it was bad. I didn't realize it was that bad. Holy moly, bro. Holy moly. I'm sure the Giant fan is excited to speak to us. You ready to hit a few? I, yeah, let's let's bring some people up. Right. I, I know is, you're, you're, disgusting. you're, by the way, you're, and I've seen you, you're usually very pragmatic when it comes to your football team. I, no, I don't is, think I've ever seen you this down, by the way. No, this is the lowest I've felt. Something, I, just, it's not, I just feel stupid. Like, I, this isn't the worst game. I, I don't so want to be hyperbolic. So let's get I just to, feel like an idiot. Did you think they'd play well tonight? Um, I think that my heart wanted them to because See, they I really they, almost Danny, beat the, the Danny. I thought they were going to play well tonight. I yeah, really, you know, did. honestly, I knew I knew they were going to lose when people started talking about the Giants plus eleven, and I'm like, you guys don't know this team. I think that, but I, I in my heart, I, first of all, the Bucks and Giants have like a weird rivalry. The last four games, it's like exactly one sixteen to one sixteen, and like it's very even, and like the Giants. Almost a year ago, not to the day, but like week nine last year, they almost beat the Bucs. I remember. On Monday Night Football. And they really, had the bad two-point conversion play with the pass it, interference. That, that should have been a game. penalty. That yeah. should have gone to overtime. But that's the thing. This team has gone backwards since then. This is a worse football team. It's unbelievable. All right, Heifetz, let's lead it off. Morris yeah, let's get some is people. ready to get us going. Actually, I hit a bunch of people in a row. So, Bradley, hold that thought. I'm going to remove you. Get back in. I'm going to get to you in a moment. Morris, take it away. What's up, buddy? Hey, JJ. Hey, Danny. What's going on? Morris, what's, what's up, good, man? bro? What's shaking? Fucking, I can't believe this shit. It's every single year of an aptitude from the Giants. Every single fucking year where we think we have hope. And just to watch this team, and they can't win in the trenches. And we, that's my biggest issue with this team and with Gettleman. The draft, he's been missing on guys on the offensive and defensive line. And that's where championships are won. You see with the Bucks last year where they had great pass rush and a great offensive line. Just drafting guys like Andrew Thomas when he could have had Mekhi Becton. And just an aptitude of Gettleman to do so. He's been horrendous. I completely agree, Morris. I mean, like when Dave Gettleman came in, he I'm not going to call it arrogance. I'll call it confidence. And you want that in a GM. But the first thing he talked about, I think the last thing he talked about in the middle was hog mollies, right? That's what we were promised. We were promised big guys in the middle. And, like, I guess you got Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence up on the defense, but there's no pass rush on the defense. And the offensive line, first of all, every single lineman left of the Giants offensively was brought in by Gettleman. It's Gettleman's line. Andrew Thomas, at best, will be, like, the third best tackle in this draft. He's worse than Tristan Wirfs, who the Bucks have. He's worse than Becton. But, like, the real whiff is Will Hernandez, who was a mess tonight. Well, and they if, thought Hernandez was going to be a real big player for them. I Danny. did, too. They and thought honestly, he was going to be a real big player. If I can now be honest in retrospect, I was attached to him for too long because of the toughness. 
I thought he brought an identity. I really respected the Giants linemen when they played the Rams. I'm like, I don't remember. It's a year or two ago. But basically, I think Nick Gates grabbed Aaron Donald's face mask and like threw him backward. That was the crazy game with like Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate. But like, I respected how the Giants were not afraid of Aaron Donald. And that honestly clouded my judgment on Will Hernandez because he's just bad, man. And like, it's just a whiff. It is a whiff. That was like the 34th pick in the draft. Got, got really poor play out of it. And it's, it's crazy to have to write off so many of these picks. It's sunk cost. But the line's a disaster. Well, and Morris, think about it. When the Giants have been at their best as a franchise, they had an offensive mm-hmm. line that had full cohesion, that had unity, that knew how to play together. And on the other hand, you had a defensive line that got after the quarterback like there was no tomorrow. Morris, Tom Brady had an eternity to throw the football today. There, how many opportunities did you watch in this game where Tom Brady could basically pat the ball and say one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and find Chris Godwin or find Mike Evans or find Tyler Johnson or find whoever down the field? The Giants, when they've been at their best, offensive line that can play, defensive line that gets after the quarterback, they have none of that right now. None of it. None of it. None of it. And then, you know what the issue is also? Next year, with no quarterbacks potentially to draft, to draft, I don't think Daniel's the guy. As well as he's played this season, when he's not getting enough credit, in my opinion, he's not the guy for the future. There's no quarterbacks to draft next year, and so we're in this rut for another two to three years, which is horrible to think as a Giant fan. Well, it's a weird spot, Heifetz. Appreciate it, Morris. Good start to the show. You don't necessarily want to move on from Daniel Jones next year because you don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know who's calling the shots. You don't know who's going to be available. And yeah, you mentioned the lack of top talent in this year's quarterback crop. But at the same time, Heifetz, am I like dying at the proposition of giving Daniel Jones an extension to lock him up for three or four more years? Hell no, dude. Hell no. No, I mean, what you do is, again, what you, I think we talked about this last time, JJ. It's like, well, that's the way, I mean, I, again, I apologize to you and I apologize to all the Giant fans out there. That's what happens when you're a bad football team. No, you're fine. It, 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 you I'm get not into saying... these. No, but like you get into these narratives where you start thinking about next year and the following year and the following year because your team's not any good. No, I was just talking about my dumb analogy I'm about to make. Oh, like, okay. PEMDAS, which if you remember, like, I don't know what year you learned that math, but like, you know, parentheses. I wasn't particularly good at it, but I do remember it. But the idea that when you do a math problem, there's like an order of operations. The Giants have to get their order of operations right because they have to decide on GM. Then they have to decide on keeping Joe Judge. They got to decide on the quarterback and Saquon. And like, they got to get going because they got to, there's no point in waiting to fire Dave Gettleman if they're going to do it. You got to get going and get the best candidates. You got to bring all the good candidates in and you got to hear what they think. You want a diversity of opinions on what should we do with Daniel Jones? What is the best way? What is our timeline? What do we do with Saquon? Because it's not as simple as get rid of them or not. It's like, do you, like Daniel Jones, realistically, I agree, JJ. You probably do pick up the fifth year option because you know what? It's, it's a lot of money. It's $20 million. Whatever. It's a quarterback. Like you want him under contract. He is more valuable under contract than not. So you, you pick up the fifth year option. You roll with him next year. You have him on the books for the year after that. The money, the, the cap's going to jump. The money's not that big of a deal. But like, you just bring in a GM who then can evaluate him. And also it buys the GM time to find the next QB. But like, this is, I feel like this team's three years away again. And that's a sad place to be where in the NFL, you could turn it around quickly, but reality kind of hits you splash right in the face. That's been bad. And they've been bad for a long period of time. All right, Bradley, I promised you, you deliver. What's up, Bradley? What's going on, man? JJ, Dan, good to talk to you guys again. You know, yes. I remember a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I called you guys. I, I called you guys after the KC game, and uh, I just I told you I never felt as low as I ever been being a Giants fan. But tonight, mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't tonight. I just wanted to pretty much sum it up. I wanted to burn everything that I had as a Giants fan, like my jerseys, my shirts, like everything. I mean, this was just bad, flat out bad. And I just think back to I, I rewind the clock a little bit. I remember 2018 after the. Uh, Dave Gellman's first full year as a GM. His first words in that uh, end of the season press conference were, we're heading in the right direction. And we are in the fourth year of what's supposed to be a rebuild year. And it's the same shit over and over and over. And there's one thing we learned tonight. Daniel Jones is not the guy for us going forward. And Dave Gellman, I'm, and, and Dan, you brought up a good point too. 
they have a couple of good easy games on like coming up like Eagles and not saying that it's going to be easy. I mean, they put up a bunch of points yesterday, but Eagles, uh, you know, they have uh, Dolphins again. Uh, and if they win those games, I, I have a bad, it, this shakes me to my core that this, that'll be enough for John Mara to say if they win those games that they'll say that's enough to keep, uh, Dave Gellman. See, that's moronic, Bradley. Cause listen, they're three and seven. I would say best case scenario. If the Giants played well over their final seven games, high fits, what are they getting? Seven wins? I think if the Giants play well, they're getting They seven played wins. really well. I think four wins down the stretch would be good. They would go four and three. How can you feel good about the franchise if you put together another losing year? Based upon what, Bradley? Like, I understand your concern and I understand your point. How can ownership honestly take that seriously considering the mantle and considering the resume the Giants have put together over the years? I mean, I, I, JJ, I get it. It's just that, you know, that's just what's shaking me. And trust me, I, I hate seeing them losing. I'm tired of the losing. I'm tired of seeing the embarrassing play calling over and over. It's the same shit over. But it's just like, you know, if they come out and do that, it's just like, you know, it's, it's like they're, they're sticking to the same narrative that they've been sticking to. You know what I mean? Bradley, I don't know if you did this by accident or on purpose, but you just said I'm tired of the losing. You know, that's actually what John Mara said in his press conference at the end of last year. Like he said, I'm tired of the losing. I remember said, it well. I remember said, it well. And you know what, Bradley? How many of these press conferences do you have to have if you're giant ownership? Yeah. I, I wonder, Heifetz, if uh, yeah. Mara was kicking any trash cans when he was leaving no, get tonight. <laughs> that's funny. No, no, no. Get, no get, they have to be gone because Mara can't. Like a year after Mara said, I'm tired of coming up here and making excuses. He can't go up there a year later and they read the quote back to him. Like, it's that's like, he can't be in that position. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. You would think Charlie Something. and Elmhurst. I saw him earlier tonight at our pregame show over at Catching the Story. He joins us now. What's up, Charlie? Hey, Danny. Good to talk to you. And JJ, uh, pleasure to meet you again. Oh, stellar job, Charlie. Wow. We had a ton of fun. Listen, Catching the Story is a great time. Heifetz, we got to get you to a story next time you're yeah, in town, Yeah, we got to do that. We oh, we, that we were rocking tonight, man. We were rocking. Uh, unfortunately, Giants plus 11 was not rocking, but, <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. What do you got for us, Charlie? Well, I want to say, first of all, I want to make an apology to America that you have to sit through and watch the Giants uh, stink up, embarrass, stink up the joint on national television. This is where this team, uh, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to say there's a whole lot of problems. The quarterback, this looks like a punk, two picks basically throwing the opponent. Uh, this quarterback is not, uh, not the future. Hell no. Uh, the coach is an absolute clone, Belichick clone. And I cannot stand this fraud general manager. Let me give you the record. 5-11 and 11 first year, 4-12, and 6-10, and now, what, what, 3-7 and seven this year. Guarantee, I'll say, double-digit losses. And I'm going to tell you, this, the hog molly and bullshit 
and drafting Barkley. And, and what reminds me of Barkley is, JJ, is Joey Gallo. That's it. He's that, that's the type of dude, uh, where it's useless. And this. Oh, it's even, you know what though, Charlie? I'll take it a step further. I think it's a thousand times worse than Joey Gallo because at least the Yankees were bringing Joey Gallo in to be a contributing piece. When you take a running back in the second pick in the NFL draft, you are counting on him not to just be a star. You're counting on him, Charlie, to be like all world. You're talking on him to be generational. Like, let me put it this way, Heifetz. If Saquon Barkley, with the second pick in the draft, was performing the way, I don't know, Jonathan Jonathan Taylor Taylor. was performing or the way Derrick Henry was performing, it would be far easier to understand the logic and the thought process and everything that goes into what exactly you were seeing on the football field. And I know it's injuries and I know it's bad luck and blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. The bottom that, line that is stuff this. actually hides the real answer. Well, I agree with that. The bottom line is this. The second pick for the Giants going with a running back where they were as a franchise, anybody who is out there who honestly thinks they made the, the right call and made a practical call the Saquon pick looks worse and worse and worse with each passing day. And the worst thing they can do is double down on it and basically extend the guy. That's the worst thing they could do. This offseason, I had to yell at Bill Simmons because I went on the Bill Pod and he said he liked the Saquon pick. And I just told him he was crazy. Because well, I'm glad he did. How, how can you like this? Because, Danny, you know this. They were not a win-now team. Anybody no, who thought they were a win-now team after the 27th season wasn't watching a the team. There's no reason to do it. Like, he'll probably go down as the last running back ever taken that high. And, like, it's simple. Like, there's all this math that says running backs aren't worth that much. That You don't even need the math to do it. The math just backs up common sense. And this is where I get frustrated with Gettleman. There's two reasons. One, they should have traded back with the Colts because the Colts traded with the Jets, gave them three second rounders. And what did they turn those into? Guess what the Colts had? Quentin Nelson, the best guard in football. You All this talk about Jonathan Taylor. Yes, Jonathan Taylor is an amazing running back. But he's not doing what he's doing right now without the Colts having one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. The Colts' offensive line is dominant. The whole reason you don't draft a running back at its core is not just the physical toll and the career is being shorter. It's also that running backs are dependent on the people around them. They have to perform. Saquon can't be Jonathan Taylor if the Colts have a top five running back, or top five offensive line, and top five running backing, and the Giants have a bottom five offensive line. And so what pisses me off is that Dave Gettleman's like, we're going to do hog mollies, and then turns down the opportunity to trade back for more picks to take Quentin Nelson, and instead is like, no, I want a running back. It, it makes no sense. And they would have gotten killed taking Nelson. They would have with all the quarterbacks that were out there. But it would have been this sort of decision, Danny that you would have been validated on years down the line. Well, it's like, like if you if you clearly. made the decision to not take a quarterback, first of all, you trade down because it's supply and demand. If all these co- teams want a quarterback, and I'm not even second-guessing the scouting here. If you're scouting, say, don't take a quarterback, don't take one. Like, don't take the wrong guy. But if five, what, what, four teams moved up in the draft for quarterbacks, pick up the phone and get more picks to sit. The, the fact that they sat there, never mind the fact that Bill Barnwell at ESPN, who's the man, Made a great point. Saquon has not been the same since the high ankle sprain the last time they played the Bucks two years ago in 2019 when that first game Daniel Jones came in and Saquon was happy and hopping around on crutches. That When the high ankle sprain, he's not been the same player since then. We, we're not even going into that, but it's like it, the Saquon thing. I love Saquon. He's a great guy. They got to let him go. I don't know how you would argue otherwise. <sighs> how would you argue otherwise? Matt joins us. He's up next. Matty, what's up, pal? Great avatar, Matt. What a dis- embarrassing, disgraceful performance by this football team. And we just have to think about this general manager, Dave Gettleman, who I think it's pretty easy to say is the worst general manager in franchise history. When you look at the draft classes, 2018 was basically a complete whiff. Obviously, you guys were talking about Saquon. Will Hernandez was absolutely terrible tonight. You had the two holdings, and there was a third and two where Tampa was rushing three guys and Will and Sue runs right over yep. Will Hernandez. That made me that made me scream. And then who else did they get in that draft class? Lorenzo Carter, bust. Fourth round, they took Kyle Loletta from Richmond. He's no good. They didn't get anybody else in that class. BJ Hill, no good. 2019 draft. Daniel Jones, 
Obviously, there were questions about him. Tonight, he did not show up. Obviously, gave us more doubts on to why he cannot be the franchise quarterback and why so many of myself, so many others, and myself included, wanted to take Justin Fields or even Mac Jones at pick 11. And then also, and then, sorry, but we also went. And then later in the first round, we trade, take Dexter Lawrence, who's average at best. I mean, he's a run stopper. He's slow. He doesn't get any pass rush. DeAndre Baker, he doesn't make it until year two. O'Shane Zimenez, he's nothing. The only real guy we have in that draft class, and I'm not even sure he's that good, is Slayton. And Julian Love had a couple good moments tonight. But don't forget also that they spent a supplemental draft pick, third rounder on Sam Beal. So they spent a first and a third on two cornerbacks who combined played like 23 games. Not to mention, no one uses third rounders in the supplemental draft. It's not done. It's like, my, 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 my whole thing for Dave Gettleman is that, like, I think he's actually an, a good scout. He's Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. Like, he doesn't know what things cost. He just sees, like, Saquon's a good player. He has no framework. He's a scout. There is no framework of converting that player's quality into the context of how valuable and how much resources should I devote to acquiring said player. A third rounder on Sam Beal. Ridiculous. The Leonard Williams trade, I guess it worked out, but it was a lot to pay just to like a third rounder to pay a guy top of the market value like is DeForest Buckner. The Kenny Galladay deal, a lot of money for a guy who was injury prone and like they, no one was bidding against them for. Just over and over and over again, there's no price framework. You throw premium assets at big positions, you don't fix it. Like they spent a, like the DeAndre Baker and Sam Beal picks, then they what do they have to do? They have to go into free agency and fix it by paying a Dory Jackson like $14 million a year. He's been good, but like they're paying for that because Gettleman just doesn't seem to like this. He's a not a good manager. He's a scout. The GM part is lost. Gut feel. Giant over under wins. Rest of this year. Let's have some fun high picks. Eagles. There's nothing more fun than looking at a schedule. So Eagles, <sighs> Dolphins. They got the Chargers in LA. They got the Cowboys at home. They have the football team. They have the Bears at Chicago. And they have the Eagles again. I think they have to win a divisional game. Although, you know what the most depressing stat of them all is? I think, I got, I'm going to look it up right now. But I believe, yeah, I'll pull it up later. But basically, I think the Giants are... If you just look at the last 16 games against the Cowboys, I could be off by game here, but if you look at their last 16 games and treat that as like a season, the last season of games they played Dallas, the Giants are 2-14. and 14. And remember when the narrative with Eli is that they own the Cowboys? There was, yeah. there was a it's point like, in time where they'd go down to Dallas and they would win the game every single year. But here's the thing. The last 9 or 10 years, they lose that game automatically. They, the Giants have basically beaten Dallas twice in Four or five years. And, and they the beat them last year in week 17, basically, in a game where the Cowboys were running out of D squad. And with Andy they're just as bad against the Eagles. The Eagles also own them. So I say this because you said that. And like the NFC East is really weird this year because it seemed like the whole thing would be decided in December because there's this weird post Thanksgiving. It's almost like the league was scheduling wise was afraid of what happened last year where everyone was making fun of the NFC East being so bad. So they kind of backloaded the games to avoid that narrative. And yet the Cowboys jumped out to this lead, so it seemed like no one was going to really be competing. But he, my gut here is, well, they got to win a couple games, and yet there's no reason to believe they can beat the Eagles or Cowboys, honestly. Like, I, I, I hope they beat Washington once. I do not think they beat the Cowboys in Week 15. They should beat the Dolphins or the Bears. But honestly, Brian Flores is a way better coach than Joe Judge. I think the only team I really hope that they beat is the Bears because if they're worse than the Bears and the Dolphins, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, it's funny you look at that Dolphin game. I look at it from my perspective and I say, I'm going to be pissed if they lose to the Giants. That's kind of the way I look at it. I, I expect well, the Dolphins to win What's crazy now is like, our, so really what matters here, so the Dolphins, Giants, and Eagles, what's really interesting is those teams all have two first-round picks. And the team that they have... Well, the Dolphins sorry, well, you, sorry, you guys gave it to the Eagles. Sorry. We have so the that, Niners pick. The Eagles have the Dolphins pick. Yeah. So yeah. what's interesting is the Giants have the Bears pick. And the Giants play the Bears. And then the Giants play the Dolphins. And then the Eagles. So, like, there's this weird thing where the Giants and the Eagles both might have two top ten picks. Like, that's in play. I guess the Eagles are probably going to play their way out of the top ten. But 
it's crazy that it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and I'm already thinking, oh, well, maybe we'll get two top six picks in this draft where no one has any quarterbacks. Well, bro, let's be honest. You could have four New York picks within the first 10. Jets. Jets for with content. Seattle's pick. Giants. We're the Giants real winners, JJ. Content's yeah, well, the winner. Listen, uh, after this football season, we could use it. Let's head to Scotty. He's up next. Scotty boy, what's up, buddy? Scotty. You can do it, Scott. I believe in you. You can do it. Scott is usually one of my regulars. I'm surprised he's having it. There we go. What's up? Yeah. Scott? Yo. Believed in you. You're. Yes, yes Scott. Scott. Uh, I don't know what to say anymore about the Giants. I mean, it's, like I hate to complaining to you because you're a Dolphin fan and Dolphin Tapa one since my parents were in high school. That's right, you got hyphens. That's right, you got hyphens. Yeah, exactly. You know, I hate to complain because the Giants, you know, in recent history, but just teams they have so much worse. So I hate it's a safe space. Fans. Let it all. No, out. but you know what? Though? see, Scotty, I don't have a problem with it because you know I was talking with a couple of people about this earlier today. I understand that the Giants have probably seen more winning than like 90% of them NFL fan bases over the last 20 to 25 years. That's fair. That's accurate. You can own it. You can acknowledge it. You also could be real with the fact that over the last nine years, your team has stunk. That's okay, too. The worst record in the last five years is the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we're no better than Cleveland or Detroit. I mean, really? I mean, are we better than the Jets? You know, I would not much better than those teams in the last five but, years. You know, forget history. For I, I mean, the last five years, the Giants have been absolutely just brutal. I mean, I don't know what happened. You know, we need Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries because I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. But Scott, I think I, my, my, I think I got a question for you, Scott, because I think that the thing that bothers me and what I'm feeling, I got a question for a lot of people who are listening right now. I think what really, when I said I felt dumb, I think what it made me feel dumb is that I thought the Giants were better than those teams. Like, organizationally, we just, you know what? The Browns and the Lions and, like, some teams, the Dolphins, are supposed to be bad. The Giants aren't supposed to be bad. And, like, the last two or three years has been this very humbling, slow drip, drip, drip of, like, no, the Giants are the worst. They're down there with that and they're not going to leave. Like, they, we actually deserve to be this bad. We thought that being the worst team in the league was the anomaly. Actually, this brief glimpses of success was the anomaly. Bad, awful, league worst is the new normal. I, I don't know if this is like, this can't be the worst five years stretch of Giants football. The 60s, 70s got to be worse, but this is right up there. In my lifetime, the Coffin era, you know, was up and down, but I'll take the Coffin era. Uh, yeah, of course you would, Scotty. Listen, of course territory. you would. Of course you would take the Coffin era because you know what? Those teams gotten in a postseason. They made plays in the postseason and delivered in games that mattered the most. How about this, Heifetz? Joe Judge, in his postgame press conference, basically throwing some shade the way of Jason Garrett. I'm trying to get you the exact quote because I'm seeing it on Twitter right I'll about now. But very, it. very interesting that the head coach of this team is basically taking his offensive coordinator to task. And let's be honest. I'm not completely sold that Joe Judge hired this offensive coordinator. I'm not. No, I actually agree with that. I I, I think so. I'm reading now. Judge uh, from Tom Rocket Newsday. Judge Judge said he told players, "quote You just show up ready to go on Wednesday." Um, that sounds like they might fire Jason Garrett, honestly. Which, which I, so here's my guess, and this is this is a, a, we'll call it an educated guess, but I think what happened was the Giants were looking to hire Joe Judge. And this is just a special teams coach from New England. And they were interested in Jason Garrett. Lord knows why. And I think that the Giants kind of had this arranged marriage. And in their heads, the Maras were like, Jason Garrett has the experience of head coaching. I don't know what about the Cowboys rivalry made them respect his coaching because it wasn't even detail-oriented, which is like all coaches are supposed to do. But Jason Garrett will be like said quarterback whisperer who like, you know, took care of Dak, Dak Prescott, and now he'll be able to raise whoever the next guy is, or I guess they had Daniel Jones at the time. And then he'll also be able to help counsel Joe Judge on, you know, how being to, a head like, coach. Yeah, right. being a head coach, which never made any sense. I would love if he got fired tomorrow. Uh, I do not think it will happen. I, I don't. I, I'd, be, I, I'd be very surprised. 
even with all that being said, and listen, Garrett is a problem. This head coach, though, a lot of the goodwill that he had last year is really starting to erode, I think, with this fan base. Is that fair to say? Because last year, I thought for the most part, a lot of Giant fans felt good about Joe Judge. And they felt good about where he was at as a head coach. A lot of what we've seen so far this year has kind of taken us away from that fact. So I don't think the Giants are going to necessarily move on from him no matter what. I, think, I agree with I, that. I think he will I be coaching that, his team next year. I however, agree with I that. think that the stretch, what you said before about how they play down the stretch is very important, because especially if they get rid of Jason Garrett. I mean, I actually think the offense might even be good. But I, I how motivated the team is, frankly, like, for example, when they play the Bears, let's see, they're going to play the Bears. End of the year, 17. I 17. Yeah. Now, Matt Nagy is a lame duck for the Bears. The only question in Chicago seems to be, do they fire Matt Nagy now and break this century-long tradition that the Bears have never fired a coach in the middle of the season? That really seems to be the only reason they're holding on to Matt Nagy. Now, if you're a lame duck for that long, that locker room will be poisonous. Where if the Giants lose to that team, and like that's how little command Joe Judge has, and Joe Judge also loses his players, that's tough. If Joe Judge holds on to his players, and, like, doesn't lose the locker room. And he comes out in this press conference, and apparently he said that, I'm frustrated for the players. This loss is on the coaches, because it was on the coaches. I'm glad he said that. I think that those are the kind of things that you need to be able to preserve your respect and ability to command a room. So, like, I, I hope Joe Judge actually does um, hold on. Or at least I hope that the season ends more respectably than what we saw tonight. Hi, Fitz. Let's head to the great Jeff Money in Queens, who is one of our regulars. The great Jeff Money. What's up, buddy? What's up? What's going on? Jeff Money, congratulations. Back to winning ways. He was smart enough, Hi, Fitz, to take the Buccaneers laying the 10 and a half. I, 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 Jeff, I, I could probably, uh, could probably could have made a lot of money just betting on your avatar, your Cowboys avatar there. Whole season. Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was due for a win after having a crappy, uh, Sunday there, so I was due for the win there, JJ. You know, you're down there. You know, today's today's game. Uh, at the start, when it was going at halftime, I said, I don't know, it's going to be. A well, you know what, Jeff? Money. It's a good point. I actually thought at halftime the Giants were in a decent spot because I felt Tampa Bay should have been up by three scores. Quite. Are frankly. you kidding me? You thought the Giants? I thought it was the opposite. Yeah, I really did. I'm going to tell I you why. Lucky to be I, in that it, spot. That, but that's my point. Normally, when a team is like lucky to be in those sort of spots. They kind of hang around. They kind of entertain you. They kind of tease you a little bit. No. We, the Giants we have, have been down by 21 points. Here's the thing. We haven't talked about the defense tonight because the offense was so bad. But the Bucks defense, or sorry, the Bucks offense went through the Giants defense like a knife through butter. I think the opening two series, especially the first series the Bucks had, is probably the best scripted drive I, I can remember. Like, I, I'm sure there's some Kyle Shanahan one that was really good, but like, the Bucs had six first downs and eight plays. They didn't have a third down. You know how hard it is to not have to six first downs and eight plays? They were doing, it was like they were attacking the Giants' eye discipline. Every play was like an end around or something sideways or like, look there, and then screen there. And it was just like, you're not prepared for this. And when Joe Judge says, this game's on our coaches, obviously it's Jason Garrett. But I also think these defenders were not prepared to play Tom Brady tonight. They just weren't. The Bucs out-executed them. And so, I mean, it's just so immensely frustrating. And Jeff Money, you must be thinking long and hard about how we're going to make our Cowboy money back from Sunday on taking the Cowboys on Thursday against the hapless Vegas Raiders. Oh, is that the direction we're heading, my man? I can't wait to look over the matchup for that Raider-Cowboy uh, game. But wait, you know, I, if I'm going to... You know, I got to oh, ask Jeff a listen, question, though. If I'm... Go ahead. Hi, Fitz. Jeff, I... So, I got to know what it's like for you watching tonight as a Cowboys fan. What is it like watching Jason Garrett destroy the Giants from the inside? I was never a big fan of Jason Garrett. So, I mean, I don't know how he got picked up again. You don't, I, you think he's going to last another uh, couple of weeks or you think they're going to dump him? See, I think I, he'll be the coordinator for the end of the year. I think he gets fired at the end of the year. That's my guess. He definitely won't be back next year. No, no shot. shot. No, 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 I don't think so. I don't think so at all. You know, I, like I said, I didn't like him when he was with the Cowboys. So, but that was just my point, you know. Well, how could you? I mean, listen, Jeff Money you had all the talent in the world. You had underachieving teams. It felt like year after year after year. Um, I, I like the fact, Heifetz, that this head coach is kind of calling out his play calling a little bit. 
The Giants yeah. should be a better offensive team than this. They should be better. It was disgusting. I, I, it, it, it's just, it's pathetic. And I'm, you're right. This is how you keep a locker room, though, is you call out the people who need to be called out. Like Jason Garrett, I, I mean, he should be called the coach. The Giants were outcoached as much as any game I can remember from them, quite frankly. Let's have some fun. Wild cards in the NFC. We know. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. We know Arizona, LA, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay are all locks to get in. I think the winner of San Francisco, Minnesota is really going to solidify themselves. I give you the field of teams within the NFC Heifetz. Who are the two teams we're putting in the playoffs right now? I think you're right about the Vikings-San Francisco winner. That's a huge game. That's a fun week. game, dude. They're both 5-5. Five and five. That's a fun think, game. That's a really fun game on Sunday for what it's worth. Can I'll I give you one crazy one. thing? Um, this is a cop. Well, I'll still answer your question, but the NFC East is not decided yet. That's what's crazy. Because like, here's the thing. Jeff Money just got out of here. Like, the Cowboys are 7-3, and three, but they're not going to have CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper. They have Tyron Smith back, which might be more important. But if they lose to the Raiders on Thanksgiving. They which they won't, but I, I'll, I'll you me. So they you go to 7-4, and four, and the Eagles win again and go to 6-6. Six and six, And then the Eagles got like four divisional games. I'm just saying, I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to blow it. I'm just saying the Eagles having four divisional games left really makes this strange. Well, and the Eagles being in the position that they're in, I think they're really set up for a wild card push. Two having games said with that the Giants, though, two games with the football team, Dallas and the Jets. They don't got to travel. They don't got to leave the East Coast, I Fitz. Having said this, though, I am still a believer in the Saints because the Saints are really well coached. I think I just think the Saints are good. I think the Saints have a great defense. I think that they need to their line needs to be more. I think I like that. I think their offense was more physical earlier in the season, and they're losing that edge. I, I know it's crazy to bet on a Trevor Simeon team to make the playoffs, but like I think the Saints are good. I know they just lost to the Eagles, but I still believe in them to emerge. And I, you know what? I guess it's. I guess the winner of this Niners-Vikings game, I really do think, will fall out, even though they're a good team. See, I got to go through the schedule. I know Minnesota's got a bunch of easy games coming up. They got, like, two games with the Lions or with the Bears. Like, Minnesota's going to win some games. The Minnesota schedule, for what it's worth, Lions at Niners at Lions, Steelers home at Bears, Rams at Packers, Bears again. That's That's a doable schedule, dude. That's a doable schedule. The interesting team to me is the 49ers because I think Shanahan took so much crap in the beginning of the season, but the defense is also pretty bad. And I think it was kind of glossed over because like they were able to wreck the Rams, but that really happened because they were spotted 14 points right in the beginning of that game. So I, I, this deep, the, the, what they got going on with Debo Samuel coming out of the backfield and like Brandon Ayuk and this offense kind of coming into its own. I know they just, um, you know, they, they're they're banged up with, on the line, but I, at the end of the day, though, I really don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I just don't think Jimmy's that good, and I I I guess, I guess I guess I'm going to go with the Vikings and the Saints, the current standings. And the Vikings are one of the most entertaining teams in the league for what it's worth. I love watching them play. I also think the most fun it's thing... It's a heart attack city. You know? forget, it's forget, attack forget, city. forget what we think will happen here. The most fun outcome, though, is the Panthers and Cam Newton, right? That's got to be the most fun thing to happen. If the Pan- if Cam, Cam in the playoffs? The Panthers. Yes. Yeah, dude, I don't see it. He can't throw the ball, dude. I get it, but I'm just saying, like, if Cam Newton does, is there actually any more fun scenario than Cam Newton making it? I'm going to tell you why there's no chance Carolina's getting in. Look at their schedule. They got two games with Tampa. They got a game with New Orleans. They got a game with Buffalo. I I don't think Carolina's getting a nine wins. I'd be shocked, dude. I'd be shocked. I do not think they're getting no, that's a nine why wins. I, that's why I you know, call me dude, the Saints, man. Call me crazy. Like, no, I Saints don't. Are, and I, the Saints and I are think the team. And I the think Sa- they're alive Thursday against Buffalo. I, I think do. the Saints are the Patriots of the NFC, and I don't mean to compare them to the Patriots, but it's a physical team with an excellent head coach that no one actually wants to see in the first round of the playoffs. Obviously, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are like a hundred times more that case. No one wants to see. Once once we get to the wild card round, you're throwing out all these, all, what we think everything right now. And you're like, damn, do I want to play this team? And like the Chiefs, not really, but like I don't think anyone wants to see the Patriots in the wild card round. I think the Saints, within like the head coaches, the Saints are on that list in the NFC. 
All right, High Fitz, let's hit Sam. He's up next. Sammy boy, what's happening, dude? Sam, what's up, buddy? He's got the J. Cole Kendrick avatar. Yo. Sam, we're good. What's happening, dude? Big fan. Appreciate, Appreciate you. It. Just really want to call and complain about Kenny Galladay because this is the <laughs> one thing over everything else that's pissed me the most off. I don't know how you go out and spend all this money on him, the first-round pick on Tony, and then what do they have combined, like four targets today? I just don't understand, obviously, Garrett's usage, but is there no communication throughout the organization as to how we're going to use these guys if we're going to use these big picks and big money on them? It's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I completely agree. I mean, again, I think that... look. So the final box score was like, I think Tony had like seven catches for 40 yards. I kind of think that that really is like a, a, a uh, dishonest box score because all the Tony... like. All the Tony catches came when the game was kind of over or fell over. And Saquon's kind of did too. Like Saquon had six catches. He had, again, I'm pretty sure that Tony and Saquon combined for like two catches in the first 28 minutes, which is, you know, when you're supposed to be like game planning for to win. And if you're not going to go downfield, again, the Bucks had seven cornerbacks, different cornerback start this year because they're all hurt. Four cornerbacks on IR. You attack the secondary for Tampa Bay right now. It's so banged up. So that's what Galladay's for. You go deep. If you're not going to go deep to Galladay, you're not going to go short to Tony. I completely agree with you, Sam. It's like, that's why Joe Judge is calling out. And know, that's where the offensive coordinator deserves heat. Because like, listen, no say, what you, say what you want about Galladay and his durability and the idea of whether or not he's going to be on the field. When he was on the field with the Detroit Lions, the guy was a difference-making wide receiver. I have not seen that at all with the Giants, with the exception of that New Orleans game where it felt like he made a boatload of plays. They didn't try. That's the thing. Like, they didn't try to get the ball to Galladay. It's it's infuriating. But, like, what is coaching if not putting your players in a position to succeed? Go ahead, Sam. I have a quick question for both of you then, because this is what makes me mad. I'm really high still on Joe Judge somehow. Don't ask me why. But I don't understand that if we're all on Garrett, right, left and right for how bad this is. Is there, I mean, he has to sign off judge on all this, right? So I, I, at some point we have to put some of it on his shoulders. Am I wrong? Yes and no. I, I think that at the end of the day, like there was a funny story. If you remember when Elijah Moore was at, um, in college, he did like the, the urination celebration and like the bowl game and it led to a penalty. They missed the kick and like basically Ole Miss loses. There's like a whole like sliding doors moment where like Joe judge almost became the coach at Mississippi state basically. And, like, that, that's what Joe Judge was going to go do. Like, especially, he went to Mississippi State, going to go from special teams coach to Mississippi State. Or, sorry, Miss, sorry, Ole Miss. No. Sorry, I forget the exact, whatever his I alma mater is. I think it was Miss State, but I could be wrong. I could be uh, wrong. Let me, sorry, let me look it up real quick. I apologize. I think it, it was Miss I forgot State. where he went to school. But the point being that he wasn't, like, the hottest coaching candidate, right? Like, he was, yeah, it's Mississippi State. So, he goes from being the leading candidate at Mississippi State to, hey, the New York Giants want to hire you. And I think that part of that deal was, well, you're going to have an arranged marriage with your coordinator. And, like, what's he supposed to say? Like, no? No, I think he wanted the job. Full disclosure, when the Giants hired Joe Judge after the 2019 season, you know what my reaction was, Heifetz, when I was at the dermatologist? Who? I said, Yeah, that's what everyone did, right? Who the hell is that? Joe, that's okay. Like, no one knew who John Harbaugh was. And honestly, no and one knew who Andy out. Reed and guess was. what? He's one of the best coaches in the NFL over the last 15 years. Andy so, Reid was a quarterback's coach. Yeah. No one knew who Andy Reid was. And he's the only coach that's like survived as long as Bill Belichick in the NFL. It's not a bad to hire nobody. And like, I think that's the reason that he doesn't get the heat. Because I don't really think he did hire Jason Garrett. Why would he hire a guy with 10 years head coaching experience looming over him like that? Heifetz, we head to Alberto. He's up next. What's oh, up, Alberto's Alberto? my guy. What's up, Alberto? We, we ghost manage the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We ghost manage Alberto's team, who he, fantasy football team. Did he team, give him some which, winners at least? Well, he ghost manages for his mother-in-law. Well, does he really? That's interesting. Alberto, is, is, is he giving you winners or is he selling you a bill of goods? Yeah, how do we do it? Uh, well, I won this week. So um, I'm right. I'm one game at, back from the last playoff spot. So we'll see okay, how so you're in the hunt. You're, you're in that famous in the hunt. That's always game. Yeah. That's always game. Yeah. No, so this whole conversation that I've been listening to you guys, I've been just honestly, it's just brought so many bad memories back being a Raider fan, like starting from 2004 on, like having GMs that are just so terrible drafting Jamarcus Russell draft in the same year that Adrian Peterson and Calvin Johnson are there, uh, uh, drafting Robert Gallery, uh, drafting Hayward Bay and uh, run DMC. 
um, if you don't burn it to the ground and start over, it's just going to get worse and worse. This giant bed. It's not to scare you guys, but it's just like we went so long, so bad, and we still are. I promise you it can get worse, and it might just get worse. Just prepare you. Well, I mean, Alberto, in all seriousness, how many teardowns do you have to do if you're the Giants? I mean, how many how many head coaches do you have to go and hire? Well, the problem is they, they, have, not, they have not fired a general manager who should have been fired two years ago. That's really the biggest issue. Yeah, so look, what I watched, I feel like a good thing would be like, you have to give them at least like five, six years. I- no, 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 Alberto, you can't do that. Alberto, you cannot do that with this general manager. He's gotten too long already. H- how many more years are you going to give Dave Gettleman? You, you, can't, you can't continue to do Start that. fresh, like from the get-go. I don't mean more like on top of what they already have. I mean from the get-go. When you get a new guy, you have to give him at least five to six years See, you don't get that, though. You See, Alberto, that's where you're wrong. You're not getting that in this modern-day NFL. You're not. This is not 1975. It's 1985. You're not getting five, six years as a GM. So what would you point, say, Hive? It's max, max, you're getting four years as a GM? Max? So I don't have the exact list, but there's a list, basically, if Gettleman were to do one more. Like, the only people who, the only GMs in the NFL in the last, in the 21st century who have as bad of a record as Dave Gettleman and were retained for a fifth year is like Dave Caldwell for the Jaguars. Uh, I think, I think, uh, sorry, who, Reggie McKenzie for the Raiders is on that list. And there's like two more. It, no one good is the point. Like it's basically, and Matt Millen for the Lions. He's also on the list. It's just a list of some of the worst jamming in the last 20 years. So like, ah, you, you got to get rid of Dave Gettleman. There's, there's, there's no getting around it. There's no beating around the bush. Appreciate the call, Alberto. The Giants Alberto, need to have a new guy. general manager. They need to have a new general manager next year. And if they don't, the Giants are clearly not looking at the situation the way that Heifetz and I are If they the don't, I will consider actively organizing people to not really receive their season tickets. Well, I think there are plenty <laughs> of Giant fans who are already going down that road. Like, they, like people people will not go to the games if they keep getting like, like, it's a business. Like, like they have to. Fan base is really beaten down. I mean, that's the sense I get from talking to you to talking to the Giant fans. Just getting a sense, really, not only this year, but the last it's, it's, it eight has or nine years will do like that to the, you. It has felt like the lowest it's been for like three years now. Like Giants fans have felt rock bottom for longer than they've ever in living memory felt rock bottom. You need the ray of hope. And right now, it's not there. Anastasia is up next. What's up, Anastasia? Oh, and I also love Anastasia. What's up? Wow, we got all the Ringer Fantasy Football Show people showing up. Hi, Danny. Hi, JJ. Uh, uh, this Giants season, it's just, it just, they give me headaches every Sunday. And, Oh, it's just so frustrating. And to me, you know, you guys talking about how it's like they watched Jason Garrett for 10 years as the Dallas Cowboys head coach. It's like, why would you hire that guy? It never makes any sense to me when head coaches who get fired, they just get hired again. It's like when the Dolphins let go of um, Gase and then the Jets were like, we'll hire him. I mean, and look how that worked out for the Jets. And it's just, it's just such a complete disaster. You know, I mean, the GM, I mean, you guys have said it over and over again. Dave Gettleman, he just, he has to go at this point. And I think what just really screwed up the Giants was honestly last year, because I mean, they finished six and 10, but they started out one and seven, then they finished five and three. And we somehow almost won that disaster of an NFC East last year. And I think people were like, okay, maybe the Giants, because I feel like a lot in the offseason, people are like, maybe they could be a wild card team. And I'm like, what team are you looking at? This team isn't going to be a wild card team. And it's like, and like, normally I'd be like, God, I wish they would just tank the rest of the year. But I'm like, there's no quarterback in this draft class. And I honestly think like I wouldn't give Daniel Jones the fifth year option. I would just let him play on four years, kind of like what the Bears did with Mitch Trubisky, knowing they made that mistake. And like the Saquon pick, I just look at it over and over. And I'm like, that was such a bad pick. Oh, it was a disaster. And listen, Anastasia, a lot of people loved him in college. He was an absolute stud at Penn State. But the Giants were not in a position where Saquon Barkley was going to take that team and put them over the top from a championship standpoint. And they misread that decision. Then it kind of set off this chain of events that we've had over the last couple of years. And it's kind of why Heifetz and I are sitting here right now saying, well, what has gone wrong with this franchise? That was one of those major, like, fork in the road uh, choices that you could make. And Heifetz, I don't know if you saw Indiana Jones in the last crusade. They chose poorly. Well, (laughs) it was one of the other really perspective giving moments of tonight for me was 
I don't know how many of you guys listening watch the Manning cast, but like, I, you know, it's, it's, it's up and down when Eli's on it for the Giants because like, you know, it's nice to hear him, but also sometimes they get off the track because you care about the game. But Bill Parcells was the guest for the first quarter. And one, just he's still so sharp to listen to. But two, it struck me that like, this is the most brutally honest person I've ever heard. Like his whole leadership style was like, Kevin Clark actually was talking about this earlier today of like, Bill Parcells' leadership style was, you have to tell people exactly how they're doing all the time, even if they're sucking, because it's the only way for people to change. Like, you have to constantly tell them what they need to do better in the clearest possible terms. And the kind of leadership was, I like, quite frankly. Yeah. And it's like, I, I need that in my life, you know? Right? It's, if you got a booger in your nose, then freaking tell someone. That, yeah, you know what I, mean? I need like, the kick in the ass. I'm not worried about but, getting offended or anything like that. Give me the kick in the ass. Anastasia, it, I need that kick in the ass. It occurred to me the Giants don't have anyone. They don't have a Bill Parcells. It's not just like some football genius. They don't have someone telling them like, hey, this is what's going on. So anyway, I know Anastasia, like I know, uh, it's just brutal out here, Anastasia. And you're, you're in Texas, right, Anastasia? It must be brutal. Yeah, I'm in Houston. Yes. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just want to say, JJ, because uh, I know you're a Dolphins fan. So is my dad, actually. So you guys are in the same boat there. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I'm getting suckered back into the season. That's the amazing thing. Appreciate the call. I am suckered. Heifetz, I will say this. If they beat Carolina on Sunday, and I don't know that they will. It's a coin flip game. I don't know if they're going to handle McCaffrey. I don't know if they're going to handle Carolina's front. Like, that is 50-50 game. If they win that Carolina game, I'm going to get suckered back into thinking they can win the next two against the Giants and the Jets and get to 7-7. Seven and seven. We got to start thinking about what we're going to put in this Giants-Dolphins game. We need stakes. We really do. I mean, that's the only way it's going to. But I already have, so you'll enjoy this. I already have a bet with a buddy of mine from the beginning of the year. Even money bet. Giants-Dolphins, who would have a better record? Oh, no. And <laughs> let's be honest, dude. The game next Sunday at Hard Rock, because the tiebreaker will be the head-to-head between the two, obviously. Oh, my God. That could, dude, that could determine the bet. That probably will. That's crazy. Oh, my well, God. And the Dolph- so, I'll get Dolphins schedule. Panthers home. Giants home. Jets home. At Saints. At Titans. Home Patriots. Oh, I think you guys are going to win. I think you guys are going to do better. But, yeah. You guys are going to take that bet. I think the Dolphins, who have four wins, I think they get anywhere from six to seven. I am, I, I will, I am not confident. You're right, though, that the head-to-head of Giants-Dolphins is going to really determine that. That okay. might determine it. It's dude. huge. Because if Dolphins win, it's over. That might determine it. But seriously, if they win this Carolina game, I'm going to get suckered into thinking, all right, I have a season again. Isn't yeah, that disturbing? That, this is the you know what they played? I'll, I'll give them this hype. It's, they don't have their first-round pick. So they might as well win games. You oh, know what yeah. I mean, Just dude? Like, I'm, I'm not, like, bothered by this. Like, in other years, this would have annoyed me. Yeah. This year really doesn't. I'm like, listen, they don't have their pick. The defense is playing better. Two is back. He's playing a lot better. He's playing incredibly efficient football. I want to see more. That's basically what it boils we, down to. We, 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 I'm going to brainstorm this. People in the chat have any thoughts. But we, we're going to need some stakes in this Giants-Dolphins game of our own. Yeah, maybe some suggestions. I, I would like some suggestions. All right, hi, it's one last one before we say goodbye. Jay is up next. What's happening, Jay? I got you, buddy. Got What's you. happening, man? It's rock bottom, man. I really have nothing else. You're sick, aren't you? I can tell. You're you're down. You're down because you are usually you are usually a very positive guy when it comes to your Giants. And they have basically beaten you down, haven't they, John? I mean, there's nothing to be positive about. It's just rock. Are you are you out on the quarterback? I don't know how I can be in after today and tonight and this year. I mean, he's had chances to to make plays and he just hasn't. Well, there's not an it factor there. That's what you don't like. The play calling sucks. I mean, we've been saying that for the last two years. Garrett was a nightmarish hire. It made absolutely no sense bringing him in. How you can't utilize the skill set of Tony and Galladay and all the guys that you have back is beyond me. And listen, Johnny, I've been saying this for the last four years. The Barkley pick was a disaster, dude. I don't care how talented he was. I don't care how generational he was. The Barkley pick for the Giants was an out-and-out disaster. It was bad. It was bad. I mean, the end, 
I got you, Johnny. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a parting thought, my brother. All right, I one last thing, one last thing for you to parting thought. The end of this team was getting rid of Coughlin. I agree with that. And you know what, Johnny? I, I, you know, let's be fair on this. I supported the Giants, even though I love Tom, and Tom is one of my favorite people of all time. I love his coaching style. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. I thought it was time for the Giants after the 15th season to move on. It was, without a doubt, the dumbest decision they made. Hands down. Thrusher blew, blew his hand off, and they blew every game in the last minute because they had no pass That's a great point. And they spent $200 million on defense the next year, had the makeup band-aid year with McAdoo, and then it was downhill. I totally, totally, totally agree. Hype, it's at the time. Good call, Johnny. When they fired Coughlin, I understood it. If they could do it all over again, they would not have fired him after the 2015 season. They would have let him go down with the ship with Jerry Reese. I mean, they got the worst record in football since then, don't they? That's what I mean. So it's not like it's not like the other door was also appealing. You know, it's not like it was also promising. Well, I think I think that a lot of what's going on. I look, there was a lot of mistakes they made. I also think they think they fired Ben McAdoo too soon. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I think they, they Ben McAdoo is one of the few people saying they got to bench Eli and I think that they let him go down with the ship. There was a lot wrong with Ben McAdoo. Don't get me wrong. But like, I think they feel they pulled the plug on him too soon, which has contributed Gettleman having a longer leash. But overall, man, I agree with a lot of the sentiment a lot of people have shared here tonight, which is like, I, this, this is rock bottom. It has been rock bottom. And like, I just got to reiterate, like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, this is not fun. My joy has been sapped. I you know, I don't want to overinflate the importance of sports over the last two years, but, like, this team has not been one of the fun things. The Knicks have been a joy. Like, the hope of, for the Knicks has been great. The Giants are, like, a drain on me. And I think it, uh, part of it is that I have zero faith left in the people making the decisions in, like, the Mara family. The Mara family is a little more involved than you would think based on how quiet they are. They're not as loud as Jerry Jones, but they're also not as um, uninvolved, perhaps. Like, like there are just fundamental problems, and I just don't have faith that this team is that different from, like, the Detroit Lions or the Bears as much as I would have liked to believe in the past, and that's really upsetting. Sad time for the Giants. They're 3-7. and seven. They get smoked by the Buccaneers 30-10, to 10, and quite frankly, it was never that close. Hi, Fitz. We got some time. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, my brother. And I expect when you finish up some turkey, some stuffing, and maybe some red wine, we can work out an agreement and an arrangement on what the terms will be for our giant dolphin bet down at Hard Rock Stadium. And I will be there in two weeks. So uh, start brainstorming, okay, buddy? I'll brainstorm. I just got to figure out what I'm thankful for with this Giants team first. So I'll need a few well, days Well, I'm thankful for, for you. How about that? <laughs> I'm thankful for you. Happy Thanksgiving, JJ. Thank you, everyone, for listening to it. I appreciate it. I'm on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. You can find me there. And I do green rooms after, uh, every Monday night after Monday Night Football. So and they're all better games than this one was. So. I was going to say, Hypitz, I'm, I'm giving you a little full warning. The Dolphin-Saint Monday night game. <laughs> I don't want to co-host it with you. I don't. Because co- oh, I'm on. off that night, so I'm going to have way too many cocktails. <laughs> I can guarantee you this, bud. I can guarantee you this. I will be chiming in at some point. Perp, please. I don't I'd know what it will be. I will be chiming in. Check out Hypitz. Fantasy football show, Green Room Sunday with all the fantasy stuff. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. We're back tomorrow night with our early football pod for Thanksgiving, for week. Heifetz, what week is it going to be? Week 12, it's be, right? It's going to be 12. Also, the people in Green Room here, if you follow me, tap JJ and follow him. And if you follow JJ, tap my face and follow me. There you we'll go. That's what you call people helping people. All right, Heifetz. Good stuff, buddy. Appreciate you. Peace. Enjoy the pod uh, tomorrow. Beningo, Art, Cats, all that good stuff. JJ out. What a disaster, Giant fans. Be good, everybody. <laughs>